Father, that your anointing will be upon her today. We pray that you'll give us ears to hear what she's saying, hearts to accept it, good soil so that it can be planted and take root. Just bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, so we're going to carry on with this series, um, which is on growth. So if you haven't been here for a few weeks or you hadn't caught them, there's a series that we are doing that we believe as the leadership team God is leading us into, which is about growth. And today's sermon is growing on purpose for a purpose. So we're going to start with talking about growing on purpose. But, you know, when you start thinking about these things, there's always needs to be a context. So we're not talking about growing just because. So I want to start just to give you some context to, to where we start from is to read Ephesians 1. And I'm going to read verses 3 to 14. This is kind of backdrop to where we start from. Ephesians, 3, uh, Ephesians 1, 3 to 14. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you, who were also included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So it's quite a long section, but I just want to highlight where we start from. The truth of the Bible tells us where we start from. Verse 4 says, he chose us in love. He chose us. Each one of you here, he chose you. You are not here as you are today by accident, by, by some big bang. We're not going to get into the whole creation argument. But you, you were chosen by God. You were chosen. That's the truth of the Bible. You were chosen. Sometimes we don't feel like that. Sometimes we don't live like that. But we want to start thinking about growing from a place of truth. So our foundations are going to be set to say, I'm going to start thinking about growing, but I'm going to step in knowing that I'm chosen. He adopted us as sons, verse 5. You're adopted in his family. And that's the worldwide family of Christ. And that's this family. You're adopted. Doesn't matter if you've been here five minutes, five years, nine years. You're adopted. He freely gives us grace. We don't earn it. We don't deserve it. Most of the time we get stuff wrong. It's often our own fault. But actually, he freely gives grace to us. Verse 7 says, he redeems and forgives us. Doesn't matter what you've done. 
God can redeem you. God can forgive you. We sometimes live in a sense of unforgiveness because we, we put guilt on ourselves. We start from a place of thinking, oh, I'm just not good at being a Christian. No one's good at being a Christian. What we're trying to do is to be more like him. Step by step is to be less like our human selves with all the falls and foibles and bad decisions and more and more like him. Verse 11 again, we are chosen. Do you get it? You're chosen. And predestined. So predestined. Before time began, God knew you and he chose you. What? Before the stars were in the sky, before I went uh, stargazing on our holiday last week, and uh, stargazing, you see the Milky Way, and you see the red, you know, what's it called, Betelgeuse, part of Orion, and you think, okay, God, God made that. But you know what? Even bigger than that, he made me and predestined me before he created the heavens and the earth. What? That's insane that the God of heaven and earth puts these stars in the sky. But before all that stuff, he said, I'm going to put you here on this earth to belong to me, to belong to Horizon, to come here today. In verse 13, finally, we receive the Holy Spirit as a deposit. We receive the Spirit of God when we become a Christian as a deposit, as an inheritance for our future. So we start the thought about growth from a position of truth. We start knowing that we're chosen, we're given grace freely, he redeems and forgives us when we get things wrong, we're predestined, and that we've got the Holy Spirit with us. So as we start to think about growth, and we're going to go on to talk about it now, we have to start somewhere, and we have to start in truth. And so it felt like a really important point today to just remind us all that that's our truth. We might not all see it or feel it or perhaps believe some of it right now, but that's the truth. So um, I want to talk about growing on purpose. Um, so similar words that you can come across to the, the sense of on purpose is deliberately, intentionally, by choice. Uh, so what we're saying there is it's not an accident. It's not something that you just trip over. Think, oh, I'll do that. It's something intentional. You make a choice and you follow through with it. That's what uh, on purpose means. Uh, and the other word that I used there was intentionally. I quite like the word intentionally. Um, and that's that intention. Have you have ever had an intention? You ever had a good intention? Oh, ever uh, had a good intention that you're going to lose weight, join a gym, run a marathon? Anyone had a, an intention, a good intention to build something? to plant vegetables, to grow a garden, to sow or to bake something. I've had lots of good intentions. <laughs> it's good, isn't it? A good intention is a good start. It's kind of not enough. I had a great intention. I was going to go swimming twice a week. So I joined the gym, went a couple of weeks. Now I have a good intention in the past and a gym membership that I rarely use. <laughs> What's the problem? Good intentions are not enough. The good intention is a start point, not the end point. It's good to have the good intention. It's great. You've, got the, you've made your mind up. There's a lot of theory on behavioral change that one of the things that starts a change in your life is that you make that decision. 
you decide, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this intentionally. I'm going to join the gym and I'm going to go swimming. But do you know the difference between me and Amanda is that I joined the gym with good intentions and I didn't follow through. Amanda joined the gym with good intention and she follows through. She's at the gym. I went a couple of times. It was nice. It was fine. Then I got distracted and, you know, life carries on. It's not good enough to just have good intentions. You've got to have follow through. You've got to turn up on the first day and on every other day after that that, you, that you're going to be there. We have to turn up, but keep on turning up. Good intentions are the start point. And it kind of struck me for myself, uh, Wes uh, spoke to us a while back about um, growth and making a decision together as a church to grow. And as part of that, if you were here, we planted daffodils um, as a kind of symbolic moment of saying, I choose to, to grow. And I was a bit challenged in the last few weeks to think, yeah, I, I, I was with you. I was planting my daffodil. But how do I move it from being a good intention to being growth? Because we can plant the daffodil. We can. We, can. we had all the best intentions on that day. But is that just the gym membership card that stays in your pocket and never gets used? How do we move it from being just a good intention to actually growing? So I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about growing on purpose, not accidentally, by choice, with our intentions as a start point, not the end point. So the first thing I'm going to say is that you need to grow from where you are. Start from where you are now. Don't be looking backwards to thinking where you should have been, where you went astray, where you wanted to be. You are where you are. This is your start point. And don't be comparing yourself to other people going, oh, it's all right for jail. She's at the front preaching. It's my start point. It's mine. That's not your start point. It doesn't matter where you start from. Those truths that we read in Ephesians are the same truths no matter where you're at in your Christian walk. If you're a new Christian, the Bible talks about in 1 Peter 2 that you are described like newborn babies, that you should have spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of your salvation. When you become a new Christian, you need a different type of food and nutrition to help you grow and develop. That's not the same as someone might need if they've been a Christian for a very long time doesn't mean they don't need food and water it's just different now I have to have a declaration of um, conflict of interest is usually what we do in the workplace but I know nothing about gardening all right so if I make any re references to gardening and it's not correct in the gardening world I apologize I'm looking particularly at Bob but there's probably many other people who are much more proficient gardeners than I am do you know the thing about plants when we planted those daffodils and we talked about soil and being good soil do you know there are lots of plants that do well in particular kinds of soil some are good in sandy soil or clay soil or acidic or alkali soil is not just one thing one entity and you know maybe the soil you're in is the soil you're meant to be in maybe you're meant to be in that particularly sandy soil maybe that's the planted place that God's put you in Maybe you're meant to be in the soil that's good with uh, lots of water and it's very clay filled. Stop comparing yourself to someone else because you like the look of that sandy soil there. Yeah. Yeah. That's not your business. Yeah. That's God's business. Yeah. 
What your job is, is to be planted in the good soil that God's got for you. Start from where you are, not from where you see other people. Where God's got you to be planted will be different. Think about the, the, the contacts you've got with people outside of church. The contacts you've got are different to the contacts I've got. We might know some of the same people, but they're massively different. The spheres of influence in your life are different to those in mine. And if we did a really clever map of all the people I know and all the people some of you know, there'll be some little pockets where they're similar, but there'll be masses of differences. And so if you're planted over here in the sandy soil, you'll have influence over people who are also over there in the sandy soil or over in the clay soil. God doesn't call us to be all the same. He calls us to be united and to grow in him, but we're not producing clones of ourselves. We have got different characteristics. We grow better in different types of soil. Uh, 1 Timothy 4 talks about uh, as growing Christians that we need to be spiritually fit. So if you're thinking about what food and water plants need, just because you've got a plant that's quite established does not mean it does not need care and attention and the right uh, nutrition. 1 Timothy 4, 7 uh, to 8 says, Train yourself to be godly, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Train yourself to be godly. There's an active thing there. Train yourself. It doesn't mean, I'm just going to soak it up. Actually, what do I need to do to train myself to be godly? Physical training is of some value. So there's, there's some value in physical training. Maybe I should start using that gym membership a bit more. Um, but these things don't come just by absorption or by osmosis. You have to physically train. If you want to be in Amanda's spin class which sounds terrifying, you're probably going to have to train a bit before you go. I definitely would have to do something different before I joined and, and manage to keep up with the speed that I'm sure they go at. As growing Christians, we have to take in the right type of nutrition and do the right type of exercise. But it doesn't matter. You have to start from where you are. So the first point really about growth and moving from good intentions forward is to start from where you are. Stop looking backwards. Stop comparing yourself to other people. Start growing from where you are. Intentionally take the first step. I'm going to give an opportunity later for some first steps. Number two, be God-focused and God-led. And this is really, really important that as we talk about growth as a church, this is not some self-improvement exercise that you might see out in the world. This is not a straining and striving, going, oh, I'm going to grow. I'm going to make sure I grow. I'm going to, I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to strain and strive. And I'm going to make sure I grow. It's God-focused and God-led. So as we talk about growth from the front... You've just have, I'm just very cautious of that notion that, that we talk about intentional growth, as I'm saying today on purpose, that it makes it sound almost like we've got to do 10 things that God will then step in. We're saying, focus on God, be open to what he says, and ask him, how can I grow? Which areas of my life do I need to grow in, God? Be God-focused and God-led. 
Uh, Philippians 2, 12 says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. I'll read that last bit again. It is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. We're not saying as a leadership team, you've got to grow. We want to know what you're growing in. We're going to check on you. We want to, that's not what it's about. You missed the point. It's saying, God, we believe that you are calling us as your people to grow in faith with you. Here am I. Here am I. Out of relationship with you, I want to hear from you. I want you to direct me. I want you to show places that perhaps are are hidden in a darkness that need growth. I want you to show me the areas of my life that are the little gentle shoots that need a little bit extra nourishment because they're just beginning their growth. Protection, need the right food. It's God at work. It's not us straining or striving in our own strength. But it doesn't mean we do nothing. So there's a real challenge here between some of the um, uh, principles of that, that, that worldly view of self-improvement, where it's all about yourself, and you choose, and you strive, and you strain, you work hard at it, versus, I'm just going to let you grow me, God. We want to be somewhere in the middle. Say, so, yeah, I want to be grown by you, God, in relationship with you. I want you to point out those areas of my life, and I'm going to step out so that I do something. I'm going to intentionally look at you to help me grow. And you know, it made me think, uh, there's quite a lot of references when you start looking at growth that, that link with the journey, and it's quite difficult to sometimes separate the two notions, but of course, growing is a kind of upwards movement of plants, whereas being on a journey, I guess, is that sideways distance movement. But both are about distance. Um, and being led on a journey, if that's where we're starting and saying, God, help me grow, it's much easier to be led where you've got a connection. Right? If we both got our eyes shut and you try and lead me, I'm going to be much better if I can hold your hand as we walk. It's going to be much harder if I just have to follow your voice all the time. Actually, if we've got a connection with God, our ability to hear and do what he wants is going to be much easier. We've got to be willing to be led, laying aside our control and letting him lead. And not being resistant. See, see the kids in the supermarket, they clearly don't want to leave or they've seen something they want. And they're like, mum is pulling them and they're resisting with all their strength. And they have this posture, don't they? They kind of lean backwards and they bend the knees or they just lie on the floor. I saw a man walking a dog yesterday, actually, and uh, the dog obviously didn't want to go where the man wanted him to go. It was quite a small little pug kind of dog. He just picked up the lead. <laughs> and he just carried the dog. <laughs> it wasn't a choker chain. It was like a harness thing. Um, yeah, well, that's one way to be led. That's not how God wants to lead us, though, is it? He doesn't just want to pick up the lead and just say, well, I'll just take you. He wants us to follow with him, in connection with him, in relationship with him, but to be taking active steps. He doesn't want us to go, yeah, I'll let you grow. Take me on a journey, God, but I'm just going to wait here until something happens. You know, God calls us to walk with him. In order to do that, we have to take a step. It's great standing here with good intentions, 
And actually, if you're going to be over there, you're going to have to walk. You're going to have to take a step. They might be big steps. They might be really little ones. They might be barely perceivable to anyone else. But you know you've moved. To grow as Christians, we need to stay in relationship with the Lord and be led by him. It's not striving for our own self-improvement, but there is a balance where we do have to be active. And the third thing is to recognize that we're in a battle. So as we look to move, to grow, we have to recognize that in uh, the world that we live in, there's a battle going on. There's a spiritual battle. And Wes talked about the soil um, and some of the soil that, that the seed can fall in can be, do you remember what the types were? Hard soil, so paths, rocky, weeds, weeds. Weeds is a really good example of where that spiritual battle fits. There's some early shoots growing up, the plant looks good, but then these weeds come in and they restrict it, they tie itself around it and they restrict the growth of the plant. It's about spiritual battle. It's about saying, as we step out and we want to you know, make God known in the world, as we grow ourselves, well, the enemy doesn't like that. Whatever the enemy can do to, to restrict our growth, to limit us, to trap us, to pull us back, to wind things around us that make us feel like we can't be free, because all that happens is we can't grow. So we have to recognize that this is more than just a self-improvement exercise. This is a spiritual battle that as we step out and say, yeah, God, we want to grow, we have to be very aware in our own lives of things that will hold us back. It's very easy to then say, oh, everything that holds me back is the enemy. That may be true, but you know, some of the things are our own choices. Sins in our lives, disobedience, some of the things that pull us back actually are our own human self. Now, God can help us with that too. But yes, of course, sometimes there are times where things come across your life that are the enemy trying to just keep you restricted and to pull you back. And I wonder whether there's any people here that after they planted that daffodil a few weeks back and really did that good intention, I'm going to grow, have had some pretty rubbish weeks since that time. I've had some things come against them. I've had some health issues. Actually, we have to recognize we're in a spiritual battle. And part of that growing might need us to be active in putting on the full armor of God, it says in Ephesians, actively protecting ourselves, putting on God's armor, recognizing the spiritual battle. It may need us, if you think about the rocky ground or the weeds in the ground, it may need us to actually break up the rocks or pick them up and put them aside, get them out of our soil. We might need to take the weeds out from the roots. This is something I do know about planting and gardening. If you just cut the weeds, they don't die, do they? You have to dig them out. You have to get the whole thing out. And maybe in our lives there are weeds like that that we've been snipping at the edges of. Maybe it's time to pull them out from the roots so that we can grow. Let's not let our growth be hindered or limited. So we're going to think about growing on purpose, intentionally and active, starting from where you are, focused on God and led by him and moving aside the things that limit us, the rocks in our ground and the weeds in our ground. And I can't talk about doing this actively without having an activity for you to put it into practice. So at the front on the right, uh, uh, left as you look at it, 
uh, is the cross. And the cross has a whole series of pegs on it. And just above it, there are some green post-it notes and some pens. And if you have got rocks in your life, weeds in your life, things that you know since Wes preached last, God is saying you need to get them out of your ground and put them aside. You need to take those rocks, those weeds, you need to pull them up from the roots. You need to lay them down. Then I want you to write something like that on the green post it fold it so no one can see it and pin it to the cross the cross is about laying things down I'm going to take that rock out of my soil today and I'm going to give it to Jesus so green post-its over there are for laying down rocks and weeds in your life anonymously doesn't matter what you write you don't have to give a great description of it because it's you and God that you know what's on there then on this table over here this is an active step of picking something up. What you're going to say is, I'm going to choose to actively grow God. And hopefully you've been praying and hopefully God's been speaking to you. If not, we'll have a few minutes as we do the activity for you to do that. Pick up an active decision in your life today. So I've, I've done some pre-prepared ones that might help you. I've got some blank ones there. You can write your own. Um, things that might help you grow. Active things that you can do in your life. Maybe it's praying every day. Maybe it's reading a Bible every day. Maybe it's praying with other people once a week. And there's a bit of a range that I've put out there. The, the orange ones generally are about the Bible. The yellow ones are about... Um, I can't even remember now. Pink ones are about prayer. Um, yellow ones are about reading Christian books, sermons, um, journaling your spiritual growth, your Christian journey. But there's blank ones here. You can, you can write your own, pick it up. Take it home with you. Don't lose it. And take that active step. This is moving you from joining the gym to going to classes. All right? Where we, we've made a good intention step a few weeks back to say, yeah, God, we want to grow. Now we're saying, it's not enough to join the gym. I'm going to pick up some classes. Let's start. Let's do something today. So we're going to do that in a few minutes and then I'm going to come back just very briefly and talk about growing for a purpose. So growing on purpose, things that you want to lay down, rocks in your soil and weeds you can pin to the cross, things you want to pick up and be active on that side. Give you two or three minutes, maybe more for that now.
Okay. Thank you, church, for stepping up, for laying down things at the cross, and for being active in picking up points that are going to help you grow. I'm just going to pray. Yeah, Father God, we thank you that you are leading and guiding us individually and as a church. We thank you that you are moving us into a place of growth. Lord, we thank you that when we have rocks and weeds in our soil, God, we can take them out and put them at the cross. Because of what Jesus did, we can put them there and say they are gone. Lord, I pro proclaim that, that your freedom will be there for people that have laid stuff down. Where there's been weeds, weeds rooted out of their life, God, we speak freedom to those people today. Lord, I pray that all those things left at the cross will stay there. Father, help us not to pick them back up again. Habits or, or things in our lives, Lord, help us to leave them at the cross. Today being the day that we've put them there. And Father, thank you for the opportunity to pick up some things in our lives, some habits and some activities that are going to help us move from just being good intentions to following through, God. Help us from today to pick it up and keep turning up. Father, think about it like a gym class. Lord, we want to go tomorrow, but we also want to be able to go next week and the week after. Father, help us as we've picked up those things to follow through. In Jesus' name. Amen. So the sermon is about growing on purpose, for a purpose. So we've talked a little bit there about being on purpose, intentional. But actually, do you know, plants usually grow for a purpose. Many of them produce fruit. Sometimes the fruit can be a flower, not just actual fruit. Um, vines, what's their purpose? To grow grapes, to make wine. Apple trees, what are they there for? Cider. Cider. <laughs> uh, that's not what I thought, but yes, that's true. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, there are lots of other examples, aren't there? Let's not go there. I was thinking of potatoes and I was thinking that's quite safe, but it's not, is it? Isn't it amazing what we've done with all this fruit that God produces? Um, you know, but a successful vine tree is evidenced by the fact that at the right time, it produces grapes. Like, it's nice to see a vine tree, but they're pretty unimpressive until you see what the potential is in them. Fig trees are often used in the Bible, aren't they? Because they were around in that, in that area at the time. But if you ever see a fig tree in the winter, it looks a sorry old twig of a tree. It's really unimpressive and yet come the spring and the summer out comes these amazing leaves and these beautiful figs if you like figs um you know plants the success of a plant is seen by its fruit and that's true in our christian lives so if we we're thinking about growing we're thinking of the reference with plants what's our fruit there's a couple of couple of things that the bible says about that and i get the feeling that this is a start point and this may not be uh, uh, the last we hear about fruit and one of the bits of the bible talks about the fruit of the spirit so in our lives we can see if we're fruitful if we demonstrate the fruit of the spirit love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness and self-control so as we grow 
one imagines, you'll see more and more of the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, in our habit, in our dealings with other people. Do you know what those things do? Is they signal to people that we're a bit different to everything else in the world. When you can have joy in a situation that is desperate, people see that. People go, How come you've got this joy? How come you've got this peace about you? Nothing seems to raffle you. Nothing seems to bother you. When we have the fruit of the Spirit and we demonstrate it in our lives, it draws people to the reason. And Jesus is the reason. There's a change in our character and conduct as we grow. And I would encourage you as a church, look for these things in other people in the church and encourage them. If you see somebody who just really demonstrates that kindness, that gentleness, encourage them that you see that. Because sometimes we don't always see it ourselves. The other thing that the Bible talks about is the fruit that we are called to. We're called to grow for a purpose is in Matthew 28 and it's called the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we're called to serve people out there. This is great and we love Horizon. This is not our purpose to be a cozy little club that we really enjoy. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is out there in the world with people who don't yet know Jesus to say, I found the answer. Mate, I found the answer. Let's go tell them. We want to see people coming, not just to church, but to Jesus. But more than just that point where they make a decision, we want to make disciples. We want to see people coming in, knowing Jesus, and stepping out and growing themselves. Not just to lead others to Christ, but to disciple them and help them grow so that they can bear fruit because the soil that they're in will be different to mine so now we've got generations of plants growing in different soil and we're growing and the challenge really around growing for a purpose what fruit are you bearing just now what fruit what of those characters of the fruits of the spirits can you see in your life which of them are a challenge for you what about the fruit of people coming to know Jesus? Who do you talk to about it? In your workplace, in your home life, in the supermarket? How do you share something about Jesus with these people? And more than that, what about people who've made a decision? How are you helping people grow? How are you discipling others? How are you walking alongside people and helping them on their journey? We're called to grow on purpose we've we've talked about that for the first part of this sermon on purpose actively we're going to choose to let you grow us God but we're most importantly called to grow for a purpose and that purpose is not in this room that purpose is in the world out there that does not know Jesus that is in desperate need to know the answer there's so many issues and problems in society actually how can we help people to come to know Jesus? Be intentional in your growth, but never forget that as you grow and as you become more like Jesus, that's the purpose for growth, is to produce fruit so that more people can come to know Jesus as you do. Grow on purpose and grow for a purpose.